Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their time, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is cancelled! Corn Huskers? More like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. Give us a like and subscribe. Our number one goal in life is to be the number one podcast in all of Nebraska because it's a Hawkeye thing. Joining us today is Captain Clutch himself, ice water running through his veins, Rob Houtland. Sir, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How you doing? We are doing great. Pretty dang excited to have one of the most heralded kickers in Iowa football history. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on in your life right now, how family is doing, how the how uh, work is, where you're living. Update yeah. Hawkeye Nation on, on where you're at right now. Fair enough, yeah. So um, been married for 33 years this past June. Uh, yeah. We recently moved on to Atlanta, Georgia uh, on, in August of 19. Uh, I've got three girls, two are married. I've got one brand new baby granddaughter, Kennedy Lane Clemens, my youngest. Wow. Had a baby back in uh, February on the 20th of February. And um, we're loving life down here in Marietta, which is a suburb of Atlanta. Uh, we moved down here because our girls were down here and my wife's folks are over just north of Clemson, South Carolina, a couple hours away. So that's okay. good. Um, work-wise, uh, currently, I'm doing some individual consulting and some contracting. Uh, I've spent the last 30, gosh, that's that's really scary, 30 years uh, in the ad tech, martech world. Um, most recently, a uh, year and a half ago, I left Velasis, which is a uh, offer and promotion company. I was there for a little over eight years or just under eight years, I should say. And um, 
just you know helping companies out now. I've, I've uh, had some contract work over the last eighteen months with three pretty significant companies and having fun doing it and enjoy mm-hmm. being my boss. I know I'm a, I'm a little frustrated with you right now, Rob. And Jerry and I were talking about this. Like, you look younger than we do. You look like you could still was, go out there and play. Like, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh, I was just going to say one of us is aged, and it's not, you know, it's not it's Rob. Not I mean, Rob. It's obviously what? me. So, I mean. Jeez, I got lucky man. jeans. I got lucky jeans. My dad, uh, he's he since passed, but um, he always looked younger than he was. And, uh, yeah, I try to take care of myself, but um, – you know, the beard's getting a little more silvery and uh, I just keep the hair short so you don't see all the gray. I'm all I'm not even 40 yet. And my beard's going gray. This is ridiculous. Well, so if you, if you notice, there's a reason I added my both wear hats on these interviews. So gotcha. OK, I'm not going to ask any more questions. About that, I, I have hair, Jerry. I don't know why you're referring to here. But I, I, I so, so far have hair. It's turning gray and white. But hey. That's okay. So, hey, whenever the interview is over, if you want to send us like a list of some, you know, self-care products and things that we can use to kind of make ourselves age a little better, because right now the fountain of youth is a far reach from us. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, I'm 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 old school with Old Spice, like deodorant. And really, and I, I don't like look, I'm not one of those like I'm, I'm going to go to the mall and go to Kiehl's and buy all that stuff. I'm, you know. Just keep yourself clean, and I try to get a workout in it most days that that you know time allows. So it's about it. Just don't tell me you, you still use Brut Cologne or like Dracar Noir or anything like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I'm not an Axe guy either. I'm too old for Axe. So <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. all right, all right. Well, I, I, we want to kind of circle back here. Um, Anybody that's watched the Big Ten Network, you have an extremely intriguing story about your journey to the University of Iowa. Um, Started out at Miami of Ohio, I believe, and um, ended up walking on at the University of Iowa. And I'm going to let you tell the story because I've heard you tell it. You tell it a hell of a lot better than we'd be able to. Tell us how you ended up becoming a Hawkeye. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was a circuitous route um, roundabout. So. Um, I played with a couple of guys that were at Iowa, Tim Sennett and Mike Bolin. Uh, Mike Bolin was one of my best buddies out of high school, if not my best friend. And I went to Miami of Ohio. Um, and look, I went to Miami of Ohio not during a good time. Tim Rose was the coach. Um, and they did some stuff that wasn't great. And and it just wasn't going to be a fit for me. I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll, I'll take the high road. Um, and so I ended up going the Thanksgiving before – uh, January of 84. So Thanksgiving, 83, right before that went and visited with Mike Bolin and Tim Sennett and saw Iowa had never been there. Um, and was like, wow, this is way more big time than Miami of Ohio ever was. So, um, I ended up talking with my dad and said, Hey, I want to transfer. Um, little did I know at the time, Iowa was like one third, the price of Miami of Ohio. I had no idea. Really? Uh, and he said, sure, go ahead, man. If you can get in, Get in and go, right? I was going to save him some some dinero, so um, I got in um, and ended up at that point. I went and talked to Carl Jackson, who was the running back coach and one of the special team coaches, and said, "Hey, look, I'd like to come kick here." And they were like, "Yeah, we'll see." Um, you know, we they had allowed walk on, so at that point, you had guys like Tim Sennett, who was a walk on. He was a fullback behind uh, Fred Bush. You had. Uh, Devon Mitchell was a was a walk on as well. You know, Hayden was going to look if you're the best guy. I don't care if he, I remember he used to say, I don't care what color you are or how many arms and legs that you have. If you're the best player. You're going to come here and I'm going to let you play. Um, 
which I think in today's day and ages, um, or even back then, was was I think groundbreaking. Anyhow, um, Carl Jackson said, "Sure, come on out." So we went through winter conditioning, um, and did all the things you were supposed to do. Went through spring ball. Couldn't wear um, full uniforms because back then you couldn't transfer. You know, got a new rule these days. Right now, you can transfer one time, yeah. free and clear. Um, and and they said, "Hey, look, come on back in the fall. You don't have to come to two days." Just come when you get back on campus. So I did. I lasted like six or seven days and I got cut. Um, and I get it, right? It's a numbers game. Um, but I, I felt like I could kick at the University of Iowa. And so I just, I, I kept practicing. And, and what I would do, guys, literally, is I would get out of class because I had set up my class schedule so that I could make practice, right? So I was done with class at like 12 31 o'clock. So I'd go out to Kinnick Stadium. And I'd kick balls inside of Kinnick Stadium because I could get in there. I couldn't get in the facility. And I'd do my kicking there, knowing full well when I was done with my kicking that coaches and players would be coming down, right, even though I got cut. And so I did that for about 10 or 12 days. And then, lo and behold, back in the day, they had the IM field goal kicking. I think they called it the George Blanda kicking contest. Mm-hmm. And, I mean – Guys, it, was, it wasn't super, super hard, right? You could use a kickoff tee, and then you kick from the 20, the 30, and the 40. And then you had three kicks that you could choose anywhere for the most points. So I, I went to the 40, 50-yarders, but I'm, literally it's a kickoff tee, right? And you ask anybody that's ever kicked in college at any level, that's a pretty easy kick to hit right down the uprights. I mean, it really was. I didn't miss any. Uh, so I ended up winning it, and the Daily Iowan, thank you, Daily Iowan, uh, printed an article on a Tuesday, and I remember after practice, I was in Slater dorm, and Tim Senek came by and said, hey, I think Coach Jackson is going to be calling you um, after dinner tonight, so you might want to be in your room. Because this is pre-cell phone, right? There's no such yeah. thing as cell phones. Yeah. Communicate all, I mean, we used carrier pigeon back then. <laughs> so, so I get a call from Carl Jackson. He says, hey, you know, I think, I think maybe um, we ought to see if there's a way that you can come back out. Maybe we might have um, – not giving you as good of a look as we should have given you. Why don't you come by the office uh, tomorrow and we'll see if this thing will work out. So long story short, I go back in. Um, they're like, okay, hey, here's the gear. You can practice this fall. And um, I wasn't eligible to go on a bowl trip or anything. That was the Freedom Bowl year where Chuck had just a lights-out yeah. game. Against okay. Texas and all that. Uh, didn't get to do any of that, which, okay, fair enough. Um, and then – um, that next spring, it was a wide open contest. And so um, at that point, you know, a lot of things fell into place and that's how I got there. <laughs> yeah. So Rob, what was your first impression when you met coach Fry? I mean, you know, you've never met him before you walk in the office or wherever you met him, but for the first time, what was your first impression? Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I was um, coached in high school by a guy by the name of Eugene Chikowski, who actually played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, and his nickname was Chick. Chikowski. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was old school. And I mean, guys, when I mean old school, it was my way or the highway. You didn't say anything. You just did what you were told. Um, and so what that created for me was sort of a reverence for authority, right? Especially on a football field. And when Co- when I first met Coach Fry, he came out and he had the black hat on with like the wings on the bill, you know? Um, some of those hats you might like see. This. <laughs> There you go. How about it? Like almost not had exactly, except it said Iowa football. And he had these like dark rose sunglasses. And 
Um, I remember Tommy Nickel was the kicker that fall, and he said, you, you, know, you ought to go introduce yourself to Coach Fry. Have you met him? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you know, go, go talk to him. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I mean, I, and you never did this when I was in high school. You just you didn't do it. So I walked up, and I introduced myself, and he he's like, so you're walking on here. And I said, yeah. He said, well, good luck. And that was about it. <laughs> well, and you guys might have heard this story. I want to say maybe three or four days later, I was kicking warm-up punts at the time, and I punted a ball that hit Coach Fry on the head. He was walking <laughs> the and it knocked his hat clean off and his sunglasses off. Okay. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm done. I'm gonna walk on. I, I didn't, they don't, I don't even have all the gear, yada, yada, yada. And it was really interesting. Tommy Nichols said, well, you better go down and apologize. <laughs> right. And so I walked down there and, and more, more like sort of ran down there and said, Coach Fry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And he looked and he said, did you kick that ball? I said, yeah. He goes, well, you are pretty accurate. <laughs> and, and, you know, so it's to me, and you hear all these stories about Hayden. Um, I'd say most of them are true. Some of them are real true. And then there's a little bit of embellishment. Um, I, I just thought he was a wonderful, wonderful guy. And I mean, look, he gave me a shot as a walk on. I ended up earning a ride that he gave me. And, and um, you know, he, he gave me a shot at Iowa that I, I you know, he and Carl Jackson both um, that, you know, I'll, I'll be forever indebted to those two gentlemen. All right, Rob, been doing a little thinking here, and you thought about this for quite a while. Uh, why aren't we turning this into a movie script? Because this really feels like the Rudy version of a kicker, really overcoming adversity, never giving up against all odds, and then coming in and having such an impact on a program. Why are we not making this into a Hollywood script? Yeah, because I think, I mean, look, Rudy's one of my favorite movies because I obviously I, I, I there's a simpatico feeling I have for what he did and believing yeah. that he, he actually could do it. I, I would like to say my dream was a little bigger. I didn't want to just be on a football team. I wanted, yeah. to, make, I wanted to make an impact. And um, I felt like I had the ability. And, I you know, I give people like Tim Sennett and Mike Bolin and to Scotty Helverson and, um, you know, guys like Bill Happel – um, and a Tommy Nickel. I mean, I could go down the line. Just constantly, guys were seeing practice, and they, they'd be like, "Dude, don't quit. You, you, you can play at this level." Um, yeah. Hey, it's maybe not a bad, bad idea. You know, I got some extra time on my hands. I might have to start writing a screenplay. I'm, on, I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, it, you know, it sounds kind of like I was joking around, but that's a movie I would go see. And I don't know about you, Jerry, but you know, what are your thoughts on that, Jerry? Oh, I, you know, I think it'd be fantastic, you know, because I mean, who doesn't really love the story of the walk-on that ends up, you know, getting the stage and, you know, coming through in the clutch. So I'd, I'd be totally on board with it. I just, I don't know who'd play Adam when you're, when they recreate this interview, but you know. Yeah, we got to do this. Like, how did the whole thing get started, right? And spinning it, and all of a sudden, boom, it's 1984. Oh. And I'm in gray sweatpants and winter conditioning. I, I love it. I think we, we can do it. We can be the preamble, you know, as how, yeah, as far as the uh, flashback goes. But are, are you guys writers? <laughs> I can't get. Hey, Not yet. It, if the money's it, right, yeah, we'll take it on. When it, when it comes to this story, I can, there'll be smoke on the paper. I'll be right away. <laughs> hey, Rob, you've mentioned uh, Tom Nickel a couple of times. You guys still keep in touch? I've, I've reached, we've tried to reach out to him, and, uh, you know, he's, he's not maybe a, the most prominent guy on social media, but I, I yeah. always kind of look at him as the original modern-day Iowa field goal kicker. I mean, do you still keep in touch at all? Or You know what? I haven't seen Tommy in probably – 
I, and I'm probably being generous, probably 10 years. Haven't talked to him. I'm, I'm not a huge social media guy. I follow it. I'm on it. I mean, that's how you and I, we mm-hmm. got connected, the three of us here, Jerry Nando and Rob here got connected vis-a-vis Instagram. I, I, but I haven't, I haven't connected with them. And, and it's probably my fault more than his fault. Cause he was a guy early on guys. I got to give a lot of credit to that. Who said, look, you, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You can kick at this university. Um, and look, the advantage I had back in the 80s and time I did too is we were kicking off tees, okay? So that made it a little bit easier. But, you know, um, I, I'm always a big believer that you're as successful as the people that believe in you. And Tommy was one of those guys. It was, it was pretty cool. And you know what? If he hears this, I'd say, hey, Tommy, thank you, <laughs> right? Um, and hopefully we'll hear it. If you guys are going to be the biggest podcast in – in Nebraska, why not be the biggest podcast in Iowa? Well, hey. we'd love to we'd love to reach out. Anybody out there that has contact with them, we'd love to have them on and interview them. So we'll, we'll put the shout out out there right now. So Amen. you know, Rob, what are your thoughts on the current landscape of college football? Because you had to overcome a lot of adversity during your career. I find it hard to think of many players that would face the rejection that you had to go through and continually keep chipping away and driving and staying focused on your dream. You know, what are your thoughts with the, you know, current landscape of, you know, the one, you know, one transfer rule that you can go transfer once anytime. And do you feel like we're, we're done kind of seeing players be able to handle adversity like that? Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I, I, I coached high school football when my girls were in high school at the local high school, we were at Adams high school in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Um, and it, you know, it's a fairly affluent suburb, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I bring that up to say what I've noticed and recognized over the last probably 10 or 15 years is that, Hey, I'm, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to fight through adversity. I feel like when adversity comes that, um, a lot of athletes, not just football players, but a lot of athletes are like, Hey, that's not fair. Um, I, I just wasn't raised that way. And I think that's probably why I was a fit at Iowa, because I don't think for the most part, Iowans and Iowa fans are like that. I think, you know, we expect that every time we hit the field, regardless of sport, that we're going to be in a fist fight. Right. And we're going to bring our best game and we're going to fight through it. And I my general sense is I think that people that are currently playing the game at the collegiate level, when when times do get tough, they look to move on rather than to fight through. You know, there's a saying that my I remember my dad used to say this all the time. There's no way out. There's only a way through. So don't look for a way out. Look for a way through. Right. And it's just I mean, here I am, 56 years old. I still think that way. Life gets tough. All right. We well, got to figure out how to get through it. Period. You're, you're, 50, you're 56 years old. That just made me feel worse, man. And we're talking about that aging thing. So I. <laughs> Uh, I did play back in the 80s, guys. Just do the math. I know, but 1985 seems like yesterday. You know, it's hard to believe. So Uh, That's a great quote, too. I think that's something that needs to be repeated and said to, you know, even like, you know, guys our age professionally and, you know, guys coming up through college and through school and through high school that, 
You know, it's just things don't go your way and you think you're getting poor treatment. Guys quit. They transfer. They leave. You know, don't find a way. What did you say? Find a way around. Find a way through. Was that? I guess not a way through. There's no way out. There's a way through. Yeah. I mean, I I was watching a movie the other night and it's an old movie. Saving Private Ryan. Right. When the guys got to Omaha Beach, they didn't say I'm getting back on the boat. They figured out how to conquer that that ridge line there at Omaha Beach in in Norman. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't get it. I was a walk-on. Figure out how to earn a ride and, and and be successful. And if you don't, don't cry about it. Learn from your experience. Oh, I'm getting fired up right now. <laughs> so, Rob, tell us coming up through the ranks when you did, you know, high school, college. What made a kicker back then? What you know, because right now, you know, Keith Duncan just started his kicking school, and we're getting all these specialized training and mm-hmm. all this difference. You know what? How did Rob Houtland go about becoming a kicker? You know what? How did how did you come into that role? Yeah, uh, that's you know, great question. Jerry, I think that for me, believe it or not, you guys might remember this name, Jan Stenerud. Yep. Who's, who's like, he's, he's, if you think I'm old, he's, he's a hundred. Um, <laughs> but he was real, real good. I mean, he was, but he developed the first um, soccer style kickoff tee because they used to be these old, huge, big post orange tees that if you were a soccer style guy, you had to, you had to sort of set it up cockeyed so you didn't break a toe kicking through it. Um, I, I literally picked one up at Wilson Sports Shop in Winnetka, Illinois, when I was in, I believe it was summer between my seventh and eighth grade year, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it was a pure lark. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm going to try it out. And it had a it had how to kick a football booklet in it. And I literally <laughs> followed the booklet. And what I found out pretty quick is I didn't play soccer at all. Um, I played hockey. I played baseball. I messed around playing basketball in everybody's driveway, um, all that stuff. Um, but it was back then. It was you know whatever whatever game was going on. If it was street baseball, if it was it was playing street hockey or ice hockey, whatever it was. Um, but I ended up being pretty good at kicking on the Yonsen Road kicking team. So my first year playing football was eighth grade for me. I hadn't played football prior to that because I was playing hockey. My dream was to be on. Miracle on Ice. I mean, you guys know that movie, right? I wanted yep. to be a hockey player, et cetera, et cetera. Problem is, as, as the game got faster, I didn't get much faster. So probably athletically was, wasn't the great thing. But boom, I fell into football. I loved it. Started kicking. Was pretty good at it. And then started working at it. Uh, you know, again, I go back to influences in my life, e- either my father or uncles or coaches that basically said, look, if you want to get good at something, you got to work at it. And so I started working at it. Um, and had a knack for it. Um, my father was a golfer, and so a lot of what happens in, in soccer mm-hmm. style kicking, the way you move hips, you rotate, um, the weight shift, power generation, follow-through, hip alignment, where your head needs, all of that stuff is very, very, very similar. So um, for me, I, you know, that's where I learned it and, and then just kept honing my craft. And I, I remember my father saying to me, again, Every summer, if you don't work at this thing, you're not going to get any better, right? You know, there's that line from The Natural. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but oh yeah, early in that movie, the father says to the son, "You've got a gift, but it's not enough. If you don't work at your gift, you're going to fail." Mm-hmm. And I didn't see that movie till I was like, I was done, done, and all that. But I, I in essence, got that type of coaching from family and coaches when I was growing up, and. To me, it was just it was flat out old fashioned hard work. 
I find that really interesting that you had a booklet. You found a booklet on how <laughs> how to kick. Jerry and I found a pamphlet on how to start a podcast, and it's garbage. And say, here we are. Look at, look at you now. You guys are pumped. Yeah. My, my favorite part of that whole analogy was when he mentioned Jan Stenerud, and Adam's face just went blank because he yes. had no he that was way before his time. So I, no. I, <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> All it was right, like glazed over eyes. Okay, I want you two to buckle in and put your seatbelts on real quick and hold on to your armchairs. Okay, it's 1985. We have the number one Iowa Hawkeyes. We have the Michigan Wolverines rolling into town. We're going to do a little replay of a clip here, and we're going to talk about it afterwards. So you guys listening on the podcast, close your eyes, not if you're driving, and use your imagination. Otherwise, hop on the YouTube channel and check this out. All right, and now we're just about ready for football history one way or the other. Just about ready for the play. The center ball is snapped. The kick is up, and it's long enough. And it's good. Freaking beautiful. Love it. Every single time I, I see it, I want to punch the wall. I get so fired up and excited. So we got a million questions, a lot of things about that moment. Um, going up and the process of the kick, going up to it, everything involved in that moment, Rob. Walk us through that. What was going on in your mind? What was the atmosphere? What were you thinking? Yeah, I I, I, I mean, well, so you got to remember the kick before that I missed. I was short right on. Um, and I, I think, um, part of that, cause I, I was, had played that game and the game before that had, had pulled my quad and had some issues. And, you know, I can, I can say that was the reason why, but I missed it. Right. Um, and so I was thinking a little bit about that, like, okay, you got to hit this thing solid. Um, I did, I knew I didn't need to crush it. Right. Cause we were getting close and really in that drive guys, I, I thought I was going to be kicking an extra point. I really did. And then all of a sudden, you know, with like a minute 21 left, I realized like, uh-uh, Hayden's playing the long game here. He's going to make sure that Harbaugh and his crew aren't going to get any time to do anything, and he believes in you. And at, at that point in time, Mike Bullen and Tim Sennett grabbed me, and they say, hey, look, you know, we want to make sure you're focused on this because I think they knew more than I knew what a big deal this was going to be, right? That, that, like, there's a lot of people watching. Iowa's number one. Probably the the one thing that I was able to do was focus pretty well, so I wasn't thinking about that, and they were, and so I think they were trying to sort of zero me in. But uh, I remember the time I was getting called, and and I remember it feeling like it was forever to get going, right? And 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 mind you, this is the seventh or seventh game of the season, I believe, or sixth game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and we had played some tough games, and we had a nail biter a couple of weeks before. Uh, with Michigan State where Chuck had, you know, the naked boot and he's throwing the ball up in the air. And, and but besides that, I mean, think about this, guys. We were we were killing people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we were Iowa State, like, I don't know, was it like 65 to 7 or something crazy? I mean, it was, it was just – it was crazy, right? I mean, we had an offense with guys like Quinn Early and Robert Smith and, and Ronnie Harmon. I mean, it wasn't hard scoring points, but this was a tight one. So um, – I remember going out there thinking, this is, this is taking forever. And then Bo calls a timeout. <laughs> and before every kick, I had a routine that I went through. And part of it was routine, and part of it was to settle myself down mentally. And that was to really bend over my tee. I said a prayer. Uh, I really offered up that time because I'm, I'm a man of faith and just said, hey, God, just use this how you want to use this, right? Um, and people are probably thinking, you had to say, please let me make it. Yeah, I did. 
Okay. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Right. And I, you guys probably figured this out with the time that we've on, on this, on this podcast. I'm, I'm, a, I'm wound tighter than most energy wise. So I'd rather get going than wait. Mm. So then there's a timeout called, and then I'm like, okay. So I walk over, and Hayden doesn't want to say a whole lot to me. He's like, you know, you've done this 100 times before. We don't have to worry about this. It's just like practice. Go out and make it. Words to that effect. Go back out, and he calls another timeout. That's two in a row. So, and, I'm a, and I'm a pretty cocky kid at that point. So you guys might have seen on the film, there's actually a spot where I turn around there and look at Bo Shemmerich, and I'm like, it's not going to mean a thing. Because I was <laughs> full of, as they would say, piss and vinegar. Yeah. And, you know, I, I um, ended up going back and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be fine. That's when Mark Sinlinger said to me, you, you might want to check how far back your tee is. I don't think it's that far enough. And he was dead right. Uh, it was like a little over six yards, which is like insta block. Okay. Wow. So I backed it up a yard and a half, went over it, and I got back into the routine. And that's where um, really it becomes, look, you've, you got to spend your time preparing and getting ready. And I, I, I really don't remember a whole lot of like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make this. I just remember hit it solid and follow through. That's all I that's all I thought about. And you know what? Perfect snap, perfect hold, great blocking. Um, even though you look at Brad Cochran from Michigan, looks like he's close to it. He wasn't close to it. I mean, everybody did what they were supposed to do. So all 11 guys executed and we ended up winning the game. <laughs> so when you go back to that moment, Rob, and I mean, you know, we all see the celebration. So much of that moment has been captured. Can you give us a little behind the scenes, like what happened after the game? I mean, the celebration environment, were there any great stories behind the scenes, you know, um, afterward, the celebration, you know, or did you just go home and start studying again? And oh, oh no God. big deal. Oh, my guys, you know better than that, right? <laughs> downtown Iowa City, Rob. Oh, yeah. What did you do? Yeah, I mean, downtown Iowa City was rocking. I Well, I remember right after the kick, um, you know, there's a big pile up. You guys have probably heard the stories. Mark Vlasic blows his knee out in the pile up. And that was a pretty freaky thing because there were so many people, not just our team, but people that went on the field. You, you, you were kind of like, oh, my goodness. Then then all of a sudden bodies are getting pulled off and flying out and all that. I remember the locker room, which was, I mean, by the way, the old locker room at Kinnick Stadium was not – like what the guys have now, which is like top, top, top notch, right? There aren't many better in the, in, in the country. Pretty small. We sang and hooted and hollered, as Hayden would say, louder than I think I can ever remember. And it wasn't about like, hey, Rob made the kick or Chuck had a great throw or Mike Flagg mm-hmm. had a great gain or Scott Halverson had a great catch or Ronnie Harmon had a great run or Larry Station had a great tackle or Jane, all that stuff. It was, we were ranked number one. We beat the number two team in the country. We're on CBS. I mean, it was a blast. And I think it was like, it was like fast, fast. Cause I remember getting showered, dressed. It was later. And I remember everybody saying, Hey, everybody's headed downtown. And, and I, I think, it's funny, my, my parents had driven in from Chicago to watch the game, and I saw – and normally I would get dinner with the game after the game with them and all that kind of – my dad's like, no, you, you need to go celebrate with the team. And I, I, it was a pretty late yeah. night on Saturday night. But you got to remember one thing. It wasn't that late because Hayden had a rule. You had to be at the Sunday morning shakeout run, 
which was, if I remember correctly, it was either seven or eight o'clock. Either way, it's an early hour for a college kid. You had to be at the shakeout run over at the facility at eight o'clock. And he did that to make sure the guy stayed out of trouble. <laughs> okay? I mean, think about this. So um, it was a pretty wild night. Um, and I remember after the shakeout run on Sunday morning, um, going out to breakfast with, with my folks um, and Mike Boland, who was my roommate at the time in, in, in Cider Hall, and and the town was still buzzing then because I think it was it was one of those times where economically it was so tough in Iowa farms were were challenged um, crops were challenged and it was a it was a for all of us an, an opportunity to escape into a victory that I think not only the team the school but the state could enjoy um, especially over you know Darth Vader who was Bo Schembechler at Michigan. <laughs> Well, I want to reference back to that Darth Vader comment there. It's been noted the arrogance of Michigan during that time period. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on the Michigan program, coaching staff and players, and the overall arrogance going into that game? Because you never would have thought they were number two by the way they were handling them, carrying themselves. Oh, you, you would have thought they were one and we were two, right? Mm-hmm. We were the little brother, as they would say to the Michigan State fans. Um Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 12-7. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details. Yeah, you know, it, for me, it goes back personally a little bit longer because I got recruited for, for a, you know, a hot second by Michigan when I was at New Trier High School in Winnetka. Um, and I had a conversation with Bo Schemichler actually on the phone. And he said, would you, you know, if we were to bring you into the University of Michigan, would you kick or punt? And I said, both. And he goes, well, you can only do one. And I said, why wouldn't, why couldn't I do both of them? The best at both. I mean, it's like, it's not, you know, it's not that hard. It's not, it's not like I'm playing linebacker and saying, I also want to play running back and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in a hundred plays. And he said, no. And then they stopped recruiting me. Hmm. Um, but the lead up was, I mean, look, and I, and I think it still permeates Michigan right now. I, I think it's actually what's holding Michigan back today. And this might get picked up somewhere, but I don't care. I don't live in Michigan anymore. Um, <laughs> I think the way they act, they still think they're the Michigan of nineteen of the of the eighties today. Uh-huh. And in the eighties, they still thought that they were the big bad mambo jambas from the late seventies. Um, and they were good. Don't get me wrong, but but they just walked with a swagger and this expectation that they were going to beat whoever they played. And I I think to a certain extent, while I respect that. I didn't ever see in the three years we played against Michigan, I never saw them acknowledge the excellence that is Iowa. 
Huh. And that, that to me is a chip on my shoulder I've had ever since. Now, I've since sent a kid to Michigan. Um, my middle daughter went to Michigan. and um, But there, there was an arrogance there that you, you just sort of – you could feel. You could almost taste it, right? Yeah. Um, and so there was a sweetness when, when, when you beat him. And I, and I think – I think Hayden probably stoked that in all of us. Like they don't respect us. They don't think that we can win this game. There was that whole lead up. And, and every year that I was at Iowa and played, there was always that feeling. Um, and I, I, I think it's a cultural issue that they're having an issue with even today in 2021. I mean, they still think they're as good as Ohio State. Well, I think there's parallels there big time with the University of Nebraska. That, and I think that's why, you know, when we started playing them and we weren't good enough to be their rival and they were unwilling to acknowledge us and, and give us any credit for being a quality program that, you know, that's why we're smacking it to you right now. It's it's very similar, I feel like, a modern day version. And it, tell me what your thoughts are, Rob. I, look, I you know, um, Nebraska's got to wake up and realize it's not 1974. Yeah. Okay. Your, your big rival, Oklahoma, I mean, it, they can't even take the field with them. Remember back in the day when it was Oklahoma and Nebraska, that, those days are long gone. And the fact that I was teed off on Nebraska for how many years now? Six. Like, like literally like teed off, like who's your daddy teed off on you? Okay. And then the expectation last year, they're going to be good. And then all of a sudden, now everything I'm reading and I'm listening is they think they're going to be good this year. Every year. I mean, what? so what's different? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, Jared, you know, isn't it the definition of insanity, guys? You, you would think. And, you know, that's why they're like, you know, all, all, all Iowa cares about is beating Nebraska. Like, that's oh, a yeah. sad existence. No, that's not all we care about. We just really enjoy it because of the years of arrogance and dismissing us like you guys did. That Oh, we're not good enough to be your rival. Yeah, you're right, because you got to beat us more than once every 10 years to call it a rivalry. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, I can't even remember the last time Nebraska beat Iowa. 2014. 2014, 2014 Rob. What was the score? <laughs> um, uh, 27-24 overtime. We had a 24-7 yeah. lead. Not that we were paying attention here, but oh boy, <laughs> that was well, the day, Jerry. Yeah, that- so it's like, oh, so okay, so they, you know, that's like stealing a candy bar from the 7-Eleven if, if I'm if it's a Nebraska win for crying out loud, or actually yeah, more right. like you know the you know the QT or the come and go. Come on. The reason I remember so well is I was in Des Moines that day and driving home, and I thought if Iowa loses this, I'm not. I got to turn back around, and I basically was like, uh, "How do you know? Do maybe I just turn back around now and not not go back for another week or so?" So, well, but, Rob, one thing I've always wanted to know with that Michigan game too is, do you send Scott Helverson a Christmas card every year, telling him thank you for that for just being a little too fast that the officials? didn't realize he was in bounds on that touchdown catch you know he maybe never get that opportunity for that field goal yeah i you know scott well a couple of things you know if if it were played today that would have been a touchdown because he would have gone to replay and all that kind of stuff i i do um but it's interesting you say that because i i it gets back to sort of some of the questions that we and stuff that you guys have asked me we've talked about back then I guess I give credit to Scotty for being more of a gentleman than maybe some players would be today. Cause I think they really complain now. I mean, Man. Scotty was like, come on. I was in, he knew he was in. Um, 
Yeah, I, I owe him more than a Christmas card. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, there was opportunity. But there was so much stuff in that game, guys, that, that ended up sort of, I mean, if it's, if it's guys dropping interceptions, if it's touchdowns that really shouldn't have been, if it's, you know, almost having Jim Harbaugh tackled and he does the shovel pass, happy birthday to Jerry, Jamie Morris, touchdown, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that was the nature of it. I mean, that was really an old-fashioned um, who's got the stronger arm in an arm wrestling match, and, and Iowa came through in that deal. And, it, you know, look, I was lucky enough to kick the kick. But I think so much of that was so much more of the overall toughness. And I would also say this, the genius of Bill Schneider and Hayden calling the game the way they call that game. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you guys have probably read stuff. I mean, yeah. we ran when we should have passed. We passed when we should have ran. And I think they kept Michigan on their toes. And, I, you know, to me, that was, that was the beauty of that win more than anything else. Yeah. And give the defense credit to Larry Station blocking the middle on that play to get the ball back. I mean, it's, you know, it was a total team effort. And I mean, yeah. it totally epitomized being a game of inches in that game. But yeah. Yeah, I kind of, like I said, though, I didn't know Rob Houtland maybe uh, owes a little bit of thanks there, you know, at least to. Oh, uh, yeah. oh for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. We're going to shift down the line a little bit to 1986. Captain Clutch comes through one more time yet again. Let's take a look at uh, this. Amazing play. This is something that I got a lot of questions about once we see this. Four seconds left. Go, and here we are. High pass. The kick is away. And it is good. Oh, what a job Hartley did getting the ball down for Hartley. All right there. So not the best sound quality, but that's okay. We're uh, I really want to know what happened with that play. And we're talking about for the guys that are everyone that's listening on podcast, the 1986 Holiday Bowl, um, a really good San Diego State team. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I rewatch that game all the time, and it's like I get pulled back into it. And it's like you feel like there for a while we're not going to win that game. Uh, they really pulled ahead of us for a while. And um, when, when that ball was – snapped um it looked like you had kind of slipped when you kicked the ball and man you drilled it though walk us through that play uh in another game-winning kick yeah I, I i i felt the same way i felt like um for some reason it was one of those nights and games where it just didn't click yeah. um and, and we just talked about the michigan sort of arrogance i i think we may have had a little of that big 10 hey we're big 10 you guys are you know what was it the the whack. Um, and, and, and maybe, maybe there was some of that, but anyhow, so, so let's get to the play. Um, guys, I gotta tell you, honestly, when it happened, I had no idea the snap was high. I had no idea. Didn't look, didn't see. Cause I was, I always trained on you. You see out of the, my left eye, as I'm looking down at the T, you see the ball coming. As soon as I see the ball, I go. Okay. Because that was from a timing standpoint, you got to get it off in like, 1.1 1.1 to 1.3 seconds. Otherwise, no matter who you're playing against, someone can get back there, right? Even if, yeah. if they do or they don't. So had no idea. Next thing I know, ball's down. It's and But I realized I'm getting ready to go down. So I slipped and I get roughed, by the way. No call. Doesn't matter because, again, I get back to the same thing. It was hit it solid, hit it smooth, keep your head down, follow through. That's what I said. And so – I got a good knock on the lower third of the ball, and, and at that point, it was good. It wasn't until I looked at the film, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Number one, snap was high. It wasn't crazy high, but it was high. 
Yeah. Chuck makes a phenomenal catch and hold. Like I have no, again, I have no idea that it's high and he gets it down exactly where it's supposed to be. Everybody blocks. Um, it was one of those. I mean, I remember doing a hokey pokey and, and he tried because he knew the snap was high. But I, I like I was the only guy in the whole team besides the guy that we're blocking that knew that you know, it was high. Because I remember my dad saying to me after the game, "Boy, that was a high snap. Chuck did a great job." I'm like, I, and it's not like you could like instantly go to ESPN to see the highlight back in those days. Yeah. So it was a great job, and you know that field though, Jack Murphy Stadium was notorious for having crappy turf at the time. Oh. Okay. And that was part of the reason of the slippage. Um, I had missed – I know I missed a long one in that game. And we, when we played the next year, I had an awful – my final game in Iowa was awful. I think I missed an extra point in the short chippy. The big piece of that was you never felt like you got good footing. I mean, ask Nate, Nate Kading. He, he played a whole lot of professional football games in that stadium for a while. And he, I think he said the same thing. The turf was just, was just crappy. Yeah. You know, Rob, when we were looking up these highlights earlier, and I don't really, I'm not bringing this up to bring back a bad memory, but I think it's a great life experience. So because when we're looking up these highlights, I came across a Minnesota game uh-huh. where the ball went wide at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not bringing that up, but I mean, the fact of the matter is now you're remembered now for the successes more so than the failures, you know, and it's, but you did have those setbacks as well. And I mean, it, but yet you still push through just like you said growing up and i mean i thought i just was like wow i had totally forgot about that you know and well i it's really funny to think about this every game winning kick that i had at iowa mm-hmm. every single one that i had at iowa the kick before that was a miss really really every single one so you think michigan think purdue think minnesota and san diego mm-hmm. state all the kicks before that were misses. Now, I would argue with you, if you look at the film in the Minnesota game, the 50-yarder, mm-hmm. I think it was good because it went over the left upright. I think it was just in time, and they didn't call it good. So. <laughs> but, again, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little bit of um, you can't control the past, only the present and the future, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. got to figure out. You know, it's a little bit like, like Garza shooting free throws. I, I think I heard some quotes. Like, I don't think about the ones that I missed. I think about the one I have to make right now. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's sort of the mentality that uh, – and, again, I, I, I credit the coaching staff for helping me with that big time because I think that was one of the things that we constantly were drilled into you is when you get a chance to make a play, go make the play. And don't ever – don't think about the play you didn't make. Think about the play you can go make. So before we uh, got on air here, we had a little bit of talk about the name, image, and likeness rules that are coming in. And, you know, we know you got some opinions on that. You had some pretty pretty cool ideas and some pretty innovative thoughts on the name, image, likeness. How do you feel that's going to change the game of college football? And what, what type of things do you see ahead of the land, on the landscape of college football? Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been in the ad tech, martech space for quite some time, and I think um, – you know, t- it today is um, we're in the middle of July and we're two weeks into right. Today's July 13th or 12th. I, I don't know. It's 13th. 13th. Right. So we're 13 days in the NIL. And you've already got people saying that it's going to be a billion dollar industry within the next 18 months. Right. That's huge. I think what it's going to do is it's going to change the landscape and open things up. I think this is going to be like the great land grab of um the early 1800s going out West. I really do. Cause I think the NCAA isn't controlling it. It's up to the institutions. 
conferences aren't going to be able to control it. Big sports entities, so think ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, et cetera, aren't going to be able to control content. What we're doing right now on a podcast, you can do on a phone from a video standpoint. So I think those folks that are curating and, and, and delivering content to people don't have to be huge names. And I also think the people that are actually distributing it and then ultimately consuming it are going to consume it in ways that we may not have seen before, right? If it's, if it's your mobile phone, if it's some other device or in some other way, if it's vis-a-vis when I'm getting ready to go make a bet, I, who knows what it is, right? But I think it opens up for people that are developing the content, curating the content, distributing the content. And I, I think consumers now are looking at it in a much different way. Back when I was playing, it was literally a TV. That's where you watched everything. So think about all this stuff that you can see now. And as a player, regardless of sport, you now have access to the monetization of that content, which they never had access to before. And so I'm not sure how it's going to win, but I do know that there are some people that are, you know, I, I do know this. I don't think ESPN, I don't think Fox, I don't think CBS, I don't think NBC, am I I'm missing any any other FSN, all the all the biggies, right? None of them are going to be able to act quickly enough to figure out how to leverage the monetization of this. And I think it's going to go to guys like you two and others that are going to say, hey, there's an opportunity here for me to get access to content of sports that were behind, programs that were behind, et cetera, et cetera, that you never had before, and there's nobody's going to stop you. NCAA's not coming in, are they? No. And, I, you know, I don't know if you saw what University of Iowa, they've hired this company, and I think they've been with them for a couple of years, Influencer. Um, and they're enabling the players to package themselves to leverage name, image, likeness. Hmm. Okay? And so if I'm a recruit – hey, I can go to a school that's actually going to help me do this. But here's my question. Who's, who's really got the skin in the game? Is it, is it the university? Is it the company that's helping? Is it the player? Is it whoever's delivering the content or curating the content? Is it who's consuming the content? Is it a third-party company that wants to leverage name, image, likeness for said athlete, for said sport? Who knows? And, and I, I think it's a great opportunity. I also think that there could be some really weird stuff that go on out of this. I think I think it'll reshape sort of our perspective on college athletics. But anybody that's been operating in the 20th and 21st century has realized college athletics is big, big business. Yeah. And it's about time that, that, that people figure it out. I, my only caveat, and I've talked a lot about this, if players think they're going to get rich off a of name, image, likeness, I think they're going to be sorely disappointed. I think they'll make some money off of it, and that's a good thing. But I, I don't see, for example, a, a, a player at the University of Iowa. Let's, just, let's take Garza, for example. Would he have made a million dollars last year playing basketball and leveraging name, image, likeness? I just don't see that kind of money there yet. But someone's going to come along and figure out how to make money off this guys, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know what well, is there any corner of Rob Houtland's mind that looks back and says, you know, wow, if name image likeness had just existed in the mid eighties, how 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 could that how could my name have been monetized? I mean, seriously, I mean you really, you know, you had the following, you had the name. I mean, do, do you ever kind of wonder how that might have affected your 
experiences back in college or? Yeah, well, it might have helped like college funds for my girls. Yeah, I, I could have made some money, put some money away. No, I mean, I mean, back then, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely have thought about it. I actually thought about is there is there something where you could leverage an NFT for the play, right? But mm-hmm. again, CBS, the university, who owns the right and all that to, to, to what that looks like. So I'm like, you know what? And, and, and to be honest with you guys, and it, I hope this doesn't come off as being more altruistic than I really want to be. The memory of it is enough for me. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, it, and it, it was, and I mean this wholeheartedly 100% till my dying day. It was an honor to play for the university of Iowa. It was an honor and a privilege Sure. And so I balance that with this whole NIL thing and say, how much of this are you appreciating the honor and privilege to go do what you do? And how much are you saying, hey, show me the money? You're having yeah. a Jerry Maguire moment, right? I yep. think there's going to be a balance there somewhere. Um, but that's the Midwestern boy in me that says, you know what? Be thankful for what you have, grateful for what you have, and be appreciative for it and try to pass it on to others. All right, Rob, we need to step back from all this real quick and um, take a step into our Nebraska Hawks Nest time machine. We're going to go back into 1985. We're sitting in your car, okay? Uh-huh. Pop open that tape deck. What cassette is going to come shooting out then? And then if we grab your phone right now and go to your last played song, what's that going to be today? Wow. Okay, so 1985, what you would find – is one of two things, either either Jimmy Buffett, okay, um, or probably James Taylor, but more likely Journey. Okay, all right, I like that. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, today, if you were to look at what I was listening to riding Peloton today, it was classic rock, and. Um, there was actually on the on the cool down ride, Jimmy Buffett, the last song that I listened to, and then because um, he's still singing, believe it or not, even though he's seventy hundred years old, um, and I'm still listening to classic rock. No, not so much James Taylor because it's not it. Um, yeah. But it, I've got daughters, so it 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 could be, um, you know. Uh, Music is so bad right now. Well, you know, here's the thing. I, I, or we're I'm, getting old. Yeah, I, get off my lawn. I am getting old. I, um, but I, I, I don't, I don't particularly love a lot of the new stuff. So I'm an old classic rock guy, probably yeah. more than anything. Right. I'd still listen to Journey, but I still think that sounds kind of cheesy '80s. <laughs> if you could see, if you could see anybody in concert right now, just two tickets will magically appear. Who would it be? Oh gosh. Um, I think I would probably if like one or two people right now. I'd go see Kenny Chesney. Okay. Um or I would go see Luke Combs. Okay. Country probably. Okay. Yeah, I would probably cuz it would it would be rocking and 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 yeah, I, I I've seen Buffett so many times in concert I'd be like, you know what, he forgot the words. Okay. <laughs> Jerry, what about you, Jerry? Where what concert yeah. would you go to? I want to hear this. What's that? What concert I, would you go to right now, Jerry? Boy, the pressure is on me right now. You know, I we were supposed to, I was supposed to go down. They were gonna have that reunion concert with Def Leppard and uh Joan Jed, and we were supposed to go to Kansas City last year for COVID for that and uh Poison and uh, I'm trying to remember who the fourth one was. But anyway, 
you know, something like that. I, I'm a throwback guy. The old concerts would be fun. It, it's just fun to go back and kind of revisit the uh, your childhood. So, but not how the, about you, Adam? You know, you're the only one left out here. The not uh, so new kids on the block. I'd have to say. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. I don't know. You're not. You are not. We know that was true. That'd be a tough one. That is a tough one. If I could see anybody live, regardless of live or dead, I'd say Led Zeppelin would be my number one. If I could see absolutely anybody. That would be my number one, but um, you know that's you can't get that whole band back together anymore. So um, that that would be that's a pretty difficult one. But Led Zeppelin would always be my number one choice. So um, go ahead, Jerry. Well, no, you know, Rob, I guess go back to you know back to '85. If you're listening to this music, who are you hanging out with on the team? I mean, who were who were the guys that you you know you piled around with, hung out, went downtown, yeah. Bed Mall? And, yeah, I uh, would say. I mean, obviously, my roommate Mike Bolin. Um, Scott Helberson and Tim Sennett were roommates, um, hung out with Jay Norvell, um, some with Bill Happel. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm thinking in Slater Hall. I mean, I live right across from Nate Creer and Devon Mitchell. Um, Robert Smith was on our hallway. I mean, you, you, you hung out with the guys. And that, that was the beautiful thing, I think, about that team is there was an ease with hanging out. Um, I mean, I remember one time um, I had to go somewhere and I had a car, but someone had borrowed my car and it was a beater, right? I mean, it was such a beater that the driver door didn't work. I had to crawl in through the passenger door. I had one of those. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, kids wouldn't even think about driving that car. Yeah. But I remember I needed to get somewhere like downtown near the old Capitol. And I remember Devon Mitchell said, hey, you can borrow my scooter. And it was one of those things like, like he didn't even think twice about it. Threw me the keys yeah. like it was nothing. And there was a whole lot of that sort of, I mean, I think there was a special chemistry to that team. Um, and a lot of the teams, you know, that, that I was there, but um, those would be the guys that I hang, uh, hung out with a bunch. And we would, we would just, I mean, that was dorm living, right? Cause yeah. back then Hayden said, like, I, I wasn't able to live outside of the dorm until I was a fifth year senior. Really? He made you live on campus. It was wow. a tight year, man. No. We together. Rob, we want to end with um, one thing we like to ask all of, uh, Hawkeye legends, that if you got one, one story from maybe the practice field or the weight room or conditioning that you look back on now um, as an adult, as a, a grandfather now with that ageless face of yours that pisses us off, um, <laughs> what is a really good memory that, that we- you have? So we, I don't know if you caught that. We got to start riding a Peloton now too. So it's skincare and Peloton bikes because yeah, I heard I, that one dropped I, earlier. I, so. I'm a little bit of a Peloton <laughs> freak. I will say that I'm 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 not like doing the PRs all the time, but it's just an easy thing. It's in a house, and it's I mean, regardless of where you are, it's it's easy. Well, this is this is starting to sound overwhelming to me. So That's Adam, go ahead well, and go with your question. I don't I don't um, want to hear about any more things that I've got to do here. Jerry's <laughs> are, Jerry's already starting to sweat. Fair enough, fair. <laughs> As I'm, as I'm sweating got, just thinking about it. I respect I, that. I totally respect that. He started um, sweating just saying Peloton. But, okay. um, you know, going back to, you know, during your playing days, whether it be practice, conditioning, you know, the weight room, anything in the locker room, something that you kind of look back on that was a little bit of an odd, strange, funny moment that the average fan, obviously, we weren't there. We didn't get to see it. We love to get, um, di- you know, different stories from players of things that, you know, the average fan didn't get to witness. Yeah, I, 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 it's funny. I was just rolling through my, I mean, I got hundreds, right? But I'm thinking, how do I answer the question where somebody would be like, I, I can't believe that happened. Um, I remember 
in fall of 85, um, I was, I was just throwing a football around, um, and had a pretty decent arm, but not a great arm. And I remember was for some reason, receivers came out early, kickers came out early, was throwing around. And someone said to me, do you think you could, you, you, you could throw a fake? I'm like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I could throw a fake. I'm, and I'm thinking, how hard can this be? Right. <laughs> you got, you know, one, one of your, one, either you got a fullback coming out in the flat and it's almost like a little bubble screen or you're running it out and all that kind of stuff. Well, so Hayden comes out and says, you know, and, and I think it was Bill Schneider said, you know, how they can throw the ball. I think we can run fake. And so he's like, all right, let's try it live. Well, I got to tell you, it was awful. Okay. So they really? snapped to me. I tried to throw it out. And I, I got to tell you this right now. I couldn't have thrown it in the ocean and made it for crying out loud. I hopped it in there and he's like, Hey, relax, relax, try it again. And so, so I do it again. And this time it's a little bubble screen and I throw it like, and, and at this point, I, I remember that we were at the, we were on the Dwayne Banks practice field, which is the old baseball. I probably threw it. I mean, I don't even know who it was. They, they needed to be 25 feet tall. I threw it so high in the second one. <laughs> and Frank turns and says, you probably need to just stick to kicking. <laughs> oh, that's a great well, that, story. That, that was that one, and but the, but the other one, and that and that, that's a story about me. But the other one that I that I I think is to me like you wouldn't know. You probably hear stories about this, but I think about guys like Ed Crowley and John Streif and um, um, other trainers that were there that were guys that were banged up. And I, I mean, I got to tell you guys, these guys show up at like oh dark thirty. And they stay late, making sure guys can play. Um, and I just remember because I had a pulled quad. Like, oh geez, it's like having a hangnail, right? But there are guys that were really, really banged up, like they could barely walk. They had bad turf toe, and they were fashioning steel inserts to go in their shoes so that they could play, right? So their toes wouldn't bend. And I, and and I think my story there is I remember those guys always being there in the facility, and and I think that dedication. The average fan probably hears about, oh, yeah, trainers take care of people. I mean, these these folks, like, I mean, the commitment there is crazy. It really is. And I think that um, there are a lot of guys, like, and played in that game. I mean, for all, I think Larry Station was hurt in that game. I a bunch of guys, were, everybody was hurt in that game probably, right? Yeah. And the reason they were able to play was because guys like Ed and John and others were there. Russ um, who's, I think he's still at the University of Iowa. Russ would show, I mean, I kid you not, if you said, hey, I got class until nine o'clock tonight, and they'd be like, all right, we'll see you at 9.15. Like, really? Like, that That to me is the commitment that I think is pretty special about Iowa. I'm sure it happens other places, but that would be the story that, to me, that I'd want people to know. Like, there, there are people that you never see, you don't know their names, that make it happen. And um, guys like us that played, and I was just a kicker, um, but guys that really needed to be right to play, linebacker, receiver, O-line, D-line, whatever it is, guys like that that made it happen. Rob, I got to say this has probably been our longest interview of all time because we were so excited to talk <laughs> to you. Sorry. No, so it's, I got, it's I've us. Actually, yeah, I've actually got one last question, Rob. I'm, well, Jerry, I'm Jerry, being serious. Jerry, you need to know we're running on about 3% battery uh, this right is, now. This is a really quick yes or no one, but I mean – just honestly, it was such a big part of your life. Has there been a day in the last 35 years that you haven't thought about the kick at least once in the day? 
Honest answer? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> That's because I, I mean, I just had to ask. It just it came into my mind, but I mean, I, I use it as a source of strength. I mean, this is. I mean, look, times are going to be hard, and what do you do to keep yourself motivated when times are hard? You think about things where you were successful, and it's mm-hmm. one of the ways that I motivate myself. And I and and look, I know it wasn't all me, but I was a part of it, so I can yeah. draw on that as strength to get through the next hard thing that's coming along in life. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we draw on, we draw on the things that give us the most emotion, and I can't imagine what that emotion had to be like in that moment. So it was it was just something that popped in my mind. I appreciate yeah. you indulging me on that answer. So absolutely, right, Rob. Hey, thank you so much for taking time to come on with us and all the awesome memories you created for us Hawkeye fans, everything you did during your time there. And we just want to wish you and your family nothing but the best, and hopefully we can keep in touch and maybe do this again closer to football season. I, look, I would love nothing more than to sit down and, and talk for a couple more hours with you guys. I, I love your just your your fandom and the fact that you're doing this in enemy territory. <laughs> give you credit. If I could give you a, a medal or a badge, I would. And um, if you guys need you want to talk and you just want to shoot the crap and not be on a podcast, call me. Okay. Oh, it'd be a lot of fun. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Rob. Go Hawks. All right, go Hawks. Go See Hawks. You guys. Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 12-7. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.